All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 159 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside uh, a very awake Frank Saravalli, uh, fresh off his uh, Peloton ride. Frankie, how are you feeling? Uh, dead. <laughs> it is a gloomy Monday, October 3rd here in the Philadelphia region. I have fantastic. Philly sports weekend, by the way, Eagles win Philly's inching closer to a postseason berth. But for me, I had circled. I don't know why October 3rd daily face off live show coming back at 12 noon Eastern every day on YouTube and Twitter. And I circled today as the day to get back in it and hold me accountable. If you have Peloton, if you use it, follow me at S E R A V A F is my username because God knows I need it. Yeah, you need someone to uh, to chirp you. Do you, do you I just need someone to well? push me. Like I, I do. I actually do respond well to a challenge. Yes. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, so Frank, I'm I'll trying go. to go all five weekdays for the month of October. Ride I, I, one all five weekdays. Okay. Well, that's a good month. challenge. I'd always recommend this. Start with something that you can maintain long term, like three days a week. Start there. You have a much better chance of having it. 
Because everybody always goes busto. I'm going to do it every day. And then after a month, you're tired out because you don't really want to do it. And then you stop doing it. So I well, would that's, say go that's my days. big problem is I'm all or nothing. I mean, yeah. I either do all of it. And see, what's actually most sickening for me is I see results really fast. I don't know why I'm able to kind of lose it and gain it pretty quickly. And I, I get satisfied. And I'm like, ah, I feel pretty good. And then I don't do anything. Well, then let's set a goal on weight and inches. We don't have to do it live in the pod, but we can think about that and say this because inches are almost more important than weight. We can get, we could tell. Well, I went to, uh, I went to the doctor like 10 days ago for a random checkup and I stepped on the scale and I've never been so embarrassed. So, uh, something had to be done. It was all right. Good. Well, let's, uh, let's drop a few LBs. You know what, Frank, then you can say you're in the best shape of your career at some point this season. And just like like the preseason. Yeah. The thing is I got a long, I I got a long way to go to get there. And I think that's actually what's so daunting is like to really get where I want to get to. Like I, I have to lose a hundred pounds, literally a hundred, a hundred. Well, just have a goal to say, okay, by the end of October, you want to be down 15 pounds. Cause that's a more, you can see 15 a lot easier than seeing 100. Yeah. It's even 15 feels like a mountain right now. Okay. Well, I bet I'll, I'll tell you right now, you can lose 15 pounds. I'll be texting you every day. Get your ass on the bike. I have no problem with that. So, all right. All right. And uh, yeah, anybody who's on a Peloton, find Frankie and uh, challenge him to a race and say, Hey, just beat me. I'm in the same boat. Or maybe some of our uh, viewers slash listeners can uh, join with you as they, uh, and all collectively together have the, uh, have a little bit of a weight loss group. Nothing wrong with that. I need it, man. Someone hold me accountable. All right. Well, hey, speaking of holding accountable, uh, I saw you uh, tweeting out earlier today. And oh, by the way, Rod the Bod will be uh, on the pod uh, today. I didn't mean that to rhyme, but it sounds Yeah, yeah. well, it's like, God, it's such shame. Me talking well, about my weight loss and, and then having Rod Brindamore on. Well, don't worry, Frank. We're, we're going to ask him his favorite workouts. And then uh, maybe you can get get a few tips on what uh, what Rod likes to do. So I, I feel like he struggled with that question more than any other because he didn't <laughs> he didn't know what to say. Yeah, he doesn't really love workouts. Yeah, we taped Rod on Friday, and so that's going to come out uh, today. Of course, the uh, head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, who, um, you know what? It's it's cup or bust for the Canes this year. Cup or bust for the uh, Hurricanes. And uh, before we get to Rod Frank, speaking of uh, accountability, I saw you uh, tweeted it out. Uh, I read the same article that uh, you did about the, the Globe and Mail discovered a second secret fund that Hockey Canada had set aside for uh, decades, and Hockey Canada did not divulge its existence in the initial parliamentary committee hearings this summer. There are more hearings that start tomorrow on uh, October 4th, but whew, this isn't looking good um, for, for guys currently in charge, Scott Smith, when all of a sudden you were asked to divulge everything and you didn't. I think that's what's most concerning is not so much the fact that another fund existed, of course, that's horrifying that they felt the need three decades ago or almost to really set aside that much money for these potential claims, knowing that something might be coming. It's that they've been under this much scrutiny for so long and it takes the globe and mail to fight tooth and nail with their reporting, which by the way, another reminder, the vital importance of a free press to go and find not just this fund's existence and its name, but to dig through and find court records that give insight into exactly what this trust was for. By the way, the trust that was supposed to be dissolved in 2019 and has now been extended until 2039. 
it's it's terrifying to think that this is the leadership that's in place. You know, I mentioned on social media a few weeks back when the women's worlds were played, I couldn't believe that Hockey Canada had the courage to send Scott Smith out there to hand out the gold medals to a team that had already said publicly with their own statements on social media in literal bold letters that they were looking forward to a new Hockey Canada like Scott Smith and and the current leadership of Hockey Canada, instead of being overseas in Denmark handing out gold medals, should have been hunkered down in a bunker somewhere, sucking their thumbs, hoping that they will still have jobs when this is all said and done. And yet here they are out on the ice in Denmark celebrating as part of Canada's win, like they had anything to do with it. Yeah, see, I wouldn't even use, I think courage is a, is a polite word. I'd call it arrogance and them thinking, clearly they believe that, they can just get away with everything. And because otherwise, why would they not divulge this fund to the uh, parliamentary committee? And uh, to, to me, I'll, Hockey Canada, if, if you want to talk about being tone deaf to the situation, their initial reaction, oh, no, no, we can fix this. No, you can't fix it. It's been proven that you can't. You can't just go in May and make your last payment and then think four months later, okay, now we're going to do a complete 180 and we've all realized the error of our ways and we're going to be way better going in the right direction. I just, I don't buy that. Hockey Canada reeks of arrogance. It's reeked of arrogance forever. And to think that you, you know, that they could be transparent, just lay everything on the table, good, bad, whatever it is, and say to the people of Canada that have paid uh, hockey families across the country that have paid registration fees for a long time to be straightforward and say, Hey, this is, this is what we're doing with your money. They can't even do that. And I, I just, I can't believe that they're still in power. I really can't. I, I can't believe that this entire organization is going to stay upright after this. Like there, I, I truly believe it needs to be dissolved and start over. Yeah, wow. Well, the legalities and logistics of that are probably pretty difficult, but there definitely needs to be a changing of the guard. I, I think that's obvious, and uh, I'm, I'm very fascinated to see uh, how it plays out. And I think there's going to be questions asked to say, okay, what is Hockey Canada doing to betterment all hockey players, right? Because it seems like a lot of the funds go in, and then the elite of the elite are the ones who benefit and they play. And I know that benefits Canadians just like it does Americans and Russians because people have a lot of pride in watching their 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 country play at national events. I understand all that. But um, when you when you opt to just say, well, we're not going to do any research. We're just going to protect everybody come hell or high water. And we have this fund uh, for a rainy day. I don't believe that that's what people for their U7s and U9s and U11 kids, where 99% of kids are just playing for fun, as they should be. And I think that is something that uh, needs to be rectified and, and looked at and realize that that is not, uh, not what's necessary. And then look at how can we how can we help? Like to me, Frank, I can just tell you in my own experience, I would say, you know, if hockey can all this extra money, they should put it into extra coaching because you have a lot of kids. We, we separate the best from the worst at such an early age now. And usually the, the top tier one teams have coaches who are really dedicated, who, who do all the coaching stuff. And then you have others that are just volunteer parents. And they're like, well, I don't really want to do this. I don't really know what I'm doing, but. Someone needs to be out here. And so those kids, hockey's a late developing sport. This has been scientifically proven time and time again. We're ruined, we're we're basically cutting out 70% of the kids who might be late developers, right? And if they got the same 
type of coaching at a young age, their improvement would be significant because coaching does matter. That's been proven. If you have good coaching, kids are going to get better and maximize their skills. Why not take some of that slush fund sexual assault money and put it in to having proper coaches in every organization and every association? So that means even if you're a kid who's nine who starts playing hockey and you're a ridiculous athlete, you can catch up by 12 because you're going to get the same level of coaching. Yeah, I just... I'm sick over this. I really am. I'm I'm fascinated to see these hearings continue on Tuesday in parliament committee. I mean, this, this is, uh, it's almost appointment television. It really is. Yeah. I'll be, uh, I'll be watching. And then they, they definitely has to have something that occurs to the current management. I'm sorry. You, you made mistakes own up to it. You don't, you don't get the, you haven't earned the right for people to trust you that you'll do better. Because if it, the Globe and Mail just uncovered it today that uh, you did not divulge the entire truth in the hearings, why can anyone trust you? They can't. They I, I just I, I don't understand the the tweets from people defending Scott Smith and others in the leadership group saying, well, you know, Scott Smith has only recently been the CEO. Tom Rennie was the CEO a few years ago. Scott Smith has been in a high-ranking executive position in Hockey Canada since 1995. He has worked his way all the way up. He's been there and seen it all and has been party to all of it. And the point Please was, stop saying that. He didn't divulge it when he had the opportunity. No one did. How many yeah. people from Hockey Canada were sitting in that committee that were asked repeatedly about the first slush fund that they had? Do you think at some point someone should have raised their hand and said, well, you know, guys, actually there's another one. Yeah. Oh, so. And if it wasn't for the Globe and Mail, guess what? Parliament wouldn't know about this. Well, it's good because they those. didn't find out about it until they were notified by the Globe and Mail over the weekend. Yeah. So that's a good reporting by the Globe and Mail, man. Hats off to the, all the reporters who did the work on that. Uh, let's get to today. Today, we're going, of course, uh, go around each division. We've done the Atlantic and the Central. Uh, now we're going to stop in the Metro. And uh, we'll start at the top with the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. And, and I think to, to discuss the Canes and, and all the changes and what their philosophy is, we'll get their head coach, Rod Brindamore, to tell us. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Our next guest was the captain of the 2006 Stanley Cup champion, Carolina Hurricanes, a two-time Selkie Trophy winner. And for the last four seasons, now entering his fifth season, is the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. The DFO Rundown is pleased to welcome Rod Brindamore to the pod. Rod, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Hopefully yeah. uh, this goes all right for you. <laughs> yeah, no, this is great. Uh, we're excited to have you and, and talk about the Canes. Uh, interesting season last year, and that's where I want to start uh, before we get to this upcoming season. Your thoughts on on how it played out. You, you obviously win the division in the regular season, and the playoffs, you know, just watching a little bit from afar, just they were so back and forth. The home and road thing was so weird. Uh, you get to game seven of the second round and lose to the Rangers. What was your overall takeaway from where your team ended up last year and just sort of maybe a feeling of you could have done more? Yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. <laughs> you summed it up. I mean, I think it's unfortunate because you always, you know, at the end of the day, you're always looking at that last stretch, you know, the playoffs. That's what everyone talks about. And yet, you know, of all the years I've been around the league, it's probably the best year you could have ever had. I mean, we we just just cruised through the regular season, played just a, really, really well. I think I maybe three or four games all year I wasn't happy with. You know, I mean, that's pretty hard to do. And then get to the playoffs, play a good team in Boston, and, you know, we get through that. And then I think we're sitting pretty good against the Rangers playing okay. And then it just the last couple of games, you know, we just – it just it wasn't there. So – kind of a tough way to finish um I, I guess really a kind of a good regular season but you know you get kind of you, you get counted in playoffs I mean that's what it's all about so um certainly a learning experience for all our guys I think um not that we didn't go out there and give our best as they certainly did I just you do have to have everything hitting at the right time and you know obviously would love you know France played great for us but it would have loved to have Freddie in there just you know, that's why we got him there. And then it's just, you know, but that's what happens. You, you got to be healthy too. I think that to win it all, you know, it's such a fine line. So many great teams out there. I really do. You need your, you need all your top players, I think, playing or it's, it makes it real hard. Yeah. And you also need some support for those top players too. And and that's to me, one of the big hallmarks of your off season is, you know, you go out, you add someone like Brent Burns on your blue line who can make a huge difference, but I also look at this group and the changes that were made up front. Andre Kasha coming in, Paul Stasny, uh, guys that have been around and I think can help maybe add some consistency to your group that was already really consistent. Uh, what do you make of the changes this offseason? Yeah, I, it's a good point. I mean, I think one of the things we've done really well is been able to replenish. And, you know, in today's game, it's hard to keep your players, even though I would love to have come right back with that same group you know, that we had last year, uh, just economics, right? It's just how it works. And so I, I, I think where this organization's really made a huge, huge change in the last few years is the way they, they manage this and, you know, get ahead of things. And, you know, we knew with possibility we might lose a couple of players here or there. So what's plan B, you know, and we're already, we're right there to, to, to do it. And not just trying to kind of stop gap, but actually figure out how do you get better? And, you know, you mentioned Brent Burns. I mean, I just, I'd yet to see, he's going to play here. I think tomorrow is our first game with him, but I mean, what I've seen so far, I just, I wish we had him 10 years ago. Like he, he's, 
and I still, in fact, he's 37, doesn't matter. Like he's, a, he was our second best guy in shape at camp. And that says a lot with this group. Um, you know, he's been here, he came in early. And so I got to spend a ton of time with him and he's hungry, right? Like you start talking about stash and he, great veteran player. He, he's played one game now in preseason and, and he's better than I thought, you know, which that's great because, you know, I always thought he was a good player anyway. And, and then you mentioned that like these little, little add-ons that Kasha, like that he played last night and he just fits how we do things, you know, he just works, works, works. And if we can stay healthy, that's going to be a huge little add on there. So, you know, we've, we've done a nice job. We lose some pieces, but we seem to be always adding that, that next piece that might actually put us, push us over the edge. And at the end of the day, I know I'm going long winded here, but I just, I, I love the people that we're bringing in, you know, like they're just, they're good people. And maybe we, maybe we don't get there, but it's not going to be a lack of effort. It's not going to be a lack of, you know, trying to do it the right way. And so I think you have a chance when you have good people around. Rod, you mentioned you were hanging out with Brent Burns. Did you, uh, did you happen to try some of his uh, unique uh, delicacy choices uh, with food? Did he, uh, did he get you into something maybe you haven't tried before? Well, that's funny. Initially he was a little reserved about it. We, and the other part that's really been great, and, and is his son is the same age as my son and they're on the same hockey team. So, you know, we, we got, we got the, probably the best coaching staff of uh, 10, 11 U hockey team going. He's helped us out. I got Justin Williams kids on the team and myself. So we, uh, we, we get together here quite a bit, which is nice. Um, but yeah, he's, he takes care of himself and he's very, you know, particular about what he eats. And um, uh, I haven't, uh, I haven't, gone down that way I, i'm not a player anymore so i don't really worry as much as he does but again it just shows to you why at 37 he's still you know i think elite athlete because he does take care of himself you know on and off the ice well he does take care of himself but he does like to try different things alligator and, and antelope yeah. and different things like that so hey listen uh, he's a unique player and a unique person there's no doubt about it oh it's high energy in your practices i've seen him in san jose for a bit he just he's like a he's like a 22 year old out there and which is which i think you need rod and you like I was looking before we had you on 22 years as a player, you mean 11 years now, this will be your 12th year as a coach. There was one year in between, and we're going to get to that later, but 34, five years, man, in the national hockey league for Varad Brindamore and lots of people, they talk about, you were a former captain. Everybody says, man, that the players love you. Where did you learn? Like the, the coaching personality, obviously I know that's part of who you are naturally, but did you take things from coaches over the years to become yeah. a guy who can be intense, challenging, but also empathetic as a head coach? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I think it's like any job that you get to, you know, hockey. I know hockey. I've done it my whole life, like you said, and, and I've had millions of great coaches and some not so good coaches. And I think you can learn from everything. Um, where I think I probably learned the most was once I got out of hockey playing and became an assistant coach, just watching how it works back there. Cause as a player, you think, you know, everything like you, you, you think, well, how hard is it to just open the door and push guys out? You know, you, you, that's kind of how you think like, I'm the best player. Get me out there. Just put me on a power play, play. I'll figure it out. You know, like, you know, I don't need your help, but it's kind of how you, you know, you think, and, and then you get coached and you realize, Oh my gosh, there's, this, there's a bunch of stuff going on back here. And, um, so I learned, I got really fortunate to have seven, eight years, and a bunch of different head coaches come through here and I was on the staff kind of just milking it all in, you know, just taking it all in the good and the bad. And then you, at the end of the day, you've heard this a million times. You got to be yourself. I mean, you, you can't, you have no chance if you try to, Oh, this is how I'm going to be. That coach did that. If you, 
that you're going to get snuffed out in a minute. So, you know, listen, I make a ton of mistakes. I own them. We guys all laugh and then we move on. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a process every day, but I think just be yourself. Obviously you're taking from everyone that you're a teacher at the end of the day. That's what you're doing when you become a coach. But I think the experiences that I had, I certainly use, you know, going forward every day. Rod, do you buy the idea that teams take on sometimes the personality of the head coach? And do you feel like you see some of the way maybe you played or approach the game or think about the game in how your team plays on a week to week basis, not just like one game here or there? Yeah, well, it should, I guess. I mean, if you really think about it, you're out there every day talking to them and, you know, pushing what you believe. And if, if, if your team does that, they're, they're going to be, taking on your personality a little bit, right? I mean, if, if the message is getting through, you would think that, I guess, kind of, that's how it should go. Um, I don't know. That, it's it's a it's a kind of a tricky question because I know a lot of coaches maybe that didn't play, may, you know, they, they do it differently, right? But I think from, from my standpoint, I just – I know what I believe, and I try to preach that every day. And, you know, when you have uh, – yeah, listen, at the end of the day, you got to have the kids, the players go out there and do it. And I've got a great leadership group. I mean, I can't say enough about it. I mean, if my message goes out and Jordan Stahl doesn't believe it, you know, it's going to go sideways quickly. And, you know, of course that doesn't happen. He's, he's, he's so good. You, you mentioned, and it was interesting to get your thoughts on last year and, and sort of how you cruise through the regular season. Um, because you look at it, there really were no dips. Um, there wasn't, you guys didn't hit a wall at any point where you went through this two week stretch and it was like, man, what happened to this team? It was consistent all the way through. My question is, is there another level for this team to get to? Yeah. Well, I, there has to be, otherwise, you know, we're going to be, you know, we're never, never going to be satisfied, right? Like, you know, well, there's one team that should be happy every year and you know, it hasn't been us yet. Now, you know, we love the group. We love the steps we've taken. I love the fact that now you're having this conversation with me and, and you know, you're, 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 you have to put our team in the conversation of being a good team, being – that would never happen 10 years. Like, we were a stretch of being non-relevant, right? And so now we flipped it. We got good players. I say our management team's great. We got uh, a commitment to winning. And so I feel pretty good about where we're at. But now – got to get to that next step. And I think what I love about it, we talked about some of the additions that we've had. Like we've got a lot of older players that are hungry. And, you know, I, I just, I look back at the, the year we won in 2006, you just take a look at the roster. It's kind of similar in a way right now. Like we had a bunch of old guys that were hungry. It was like, this is our last chance. Let's go. And, and then we had the, the young mix, you know, we had the Cam Wards and the Eric Stalls, and we had some of these younger guys coming up to kind of really you need that young youth youthful energy too but uh i like the mix right now and uh you know like obviously we gotta go gotta go play but uh i like the team for sure the, the veterans will be hungry rod and every year you know you you mentioned stalin ward you need some young guys to step up uh yes barry cock and um you know with the with the offseason moves you know there's definitely more of an opportunity there for him as a coach how do you help build that up so when a player gets the chance, he's ready to capitalize on it? Yeah, good question. So there, that kind of goes back to, you know, we, we brought him in, and I think we all kind of had this, well, I know the plan. You know, we weren't sure we were going to be able to sign Trocek like a year out. It's, so I go back to, my, you know, we talked earlier, okay, what's the plan? And, you know, here's this young kid, obviously a lot of hype around him. 
but he's, you know, what do you see in him? Well, we see a lot of good things, he's a, it, but he's a young player. So last year we brought him in. I kind of treated him like it was his first year. You know, like you're 20 years old or whatever it was, like 21, like that's young. And so let's just – and it was perfect fit because we had three better guys, you know, ahead of him. So you're going to play the fourth-line role. And now, you know, he's going to bump up. And now he's got to go ahead and make it work. But I think – um we do love what I see there. There's, there's definitely something there and, you know, it's on him now. He's had a good, you know, his work ethics gone up. I think, I think there's, listen, we signed the kid for a long time. So we definitely think that the, there's high potential for him. Um, and, and we need it because that, that's the hole, you know, he's filling a big hole and, you know, it's early yet. He's only played one game in the preseason. But it, it looks good so far. Rod, you played a long time. You played with some highly skilled players and, you know, you said it earlier, hey, a coach is almost, almost only as good as your, your players. You need your guys to, to execute it. Does Sebastian Ajo have another step to his game? And if so, where do you see the growth coming for him? He does. And, you know, again, I go back. He's been here now four years where we, we you know, I don't, we didn't make it, right? We didn't get to where we wanted to get to. I said it, I've said it a ton of times, but just knowing him the way I do, this guy just, he hates losing. Like he just hates losing. Marty likes to win. Like I can just see it. And there's a hunger there. When you have those kind of people, him, you know, we're talking about him that, that they're never satisfied. So they're always trying to get better. And, you know, he's a little guy. He's not real big, but he wants to go up against the best guys, right? He doesn't want to shy away from him. He wants me to play him out there against the top guys. And he knows he's got to get stronger to go against Barkov. It's a mismatch. That's not a fair fight, you know, but he wants it. And so he's been in the gym, like, the guy works extremely hard and the best part about him is he's, he's a super humble kid. And um, again, I'm, I'm just lucky to have these. These are the kind of players I have. And I know every coach is going to say that. So you got to take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Um, but I mean, I believe it because I, I know these kids and uh, you know, with that mentality, you have a chance. Like I really believe when you have your top guys just wanting to get better uh, and, and want to win, like, yeah, they're all getting paid. Listen, they all want to get paid. We know how that goes. But that's, really, it's almost secondary. Like, they, they really want to win here. So, uh, we're in good shape. To have a chance to win, Rod, you need goaltending. And that was a huge part of your season last year. You mentioned Freddie and how you would have liked to have had him in the playoffs. And, and I just think back to his time ending his, his, his career in Toronto. And there seemed to be some friction there with Freddie Anderson and his teammates in terms of however he handles injuries. And look, you never know when injuries happen or how or why or whatever. Was there any friction last year in terms of um, him making his way back towards the playoffs? And and if so, does that become a, a blank slate heading into this season, knowing that you're going to need him and, and Ronta to be successful? Well, there's no friction. I mean, if, if he could have played, he would have. I mean, it, it's goalies are so different because, you know, unless they're really – hundred percent with a knee or a hip, like you can't go in, you know, like a player, listen, I, you talk to every NHL players ever played, they played through a ton of stuff. It's a little different. You know, I can kind of hobble around and still be somewhat effective, but if a goalie is a little, can't move from here to there, it's in your net. What good are you? You're, you're, you're useless to us. So, you know, he, he wanted to get in there. He would have, if we could have got through that series, he was coming in like he was right there. We had just started practicing him. So, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's tough, but there's certainly no friction. I mean, that's, that's definitely not uh, part of the equation. And I mean, you know, we need him healthy. You know, that it's, he's a big part of what we're doing and um, hopefully he stays healthy this year.
Yeah, and just on the injury front as well, Max Pacioretty, such a tough blow. You guys acquire him in the trade, and then, of course, goes down with that injury. Is it almost like sort of having you know an ace in your back pocket, knowing that at some point this year, whether it's January, February, whatever it is, you're going to get a guy that's been a pr pretty consistent 30-goal right. scorer that you can just inject into your lineup? That's how you have to look at it. I mean, it happened. It was so, you know, just it's so unfortunate. I mean, you just got to town. We are just kind of getting going. And, um, you know, but that's, like, what are you going to do about it, right? Like, I just love the fact you're, you mourn for for a little bit. You're a little upset. And then, okay, now just exactly what you just said is how you look at it. Okay. Well, the interesting part, trade deadline time, we already have our trade done. You know, like, we, we know who we're, we're bringing in. And that's, you know, a pretty good, like you said, ace in the hole. I mean, if we can get him up to speed, um, I mean, I would love to see that all year because I, I mean, I can't imagine how good that could have been, but pretty good to have it at the right time of year when we we'll, we'll need it the most. Rod, maybe the biggest compliment I've heard from opposing coaches for you is that when they play the Hurricanes, they're like, I don't think a team has a more consistent structure than the Hurricanes. Shift to shift, they come at you in a way. How have you been able to instill that? And, and who are the guys in the room that help you manufacture that? So it, there, there's really no drop off in, in shift to shift and, and yeah. from player to player. Well, it's, it's kind of the, the mindset of our whole group. We've done it now for this is our fifth year and just kind of preaching the same message. You know, I used to think, okay, after year one, do I got to change the message, right? I got to keep, do I, what do I, how do I keep this fresh? And then I, I was like, wait a minute, that's no, you, you actually keep pounding the message to get it to a point where it's just, it's, it's just becomes what we are and who you are. And, and it's not, no one thinks second about it. It's just kind of how we do things. And again, like you said, I mentioned, we got Jordan Stahl at the top. Okay. That's, there couldn't be a more honest player in the league. There just can't be comes in every day, just throws everything out there and then does it the right way on and off the ice. And he's been sitting, the guy has been beside him for since he's been here. So he's like, okay, this is how I have to do it. And, you know, you go down the list. I, it's just, you know, if you don't, if you leave here, it's probably because you didn't quite buy into exactly how it, it's supposed to be done. You, you know what I mean? And I'll obviously take the financial stuff away from that's the other reason, you know, guys get over, get paid big bucks. I have no problem. You, you got to move on, but it's, uh, it's just a good group that gets how to do it. And if you don't, you kind of have a, you, you just stick out. So we, it's all based on the leadership. Then it starts with Jordan Stahl. I mentioned all, but I, I can go down the list. Jacob Slavin, you know, again, almost if I you almost put the exact same comments to him as I did to Jordan Stahl and, and Brett Pesci and Brady Shea never gets gets zero credit. You know, you hardly ever hear him. And yet I think he's an elite, elite player in, 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 for us, for sure. So we got a bunch of great people. And like I said, we still got to go. We got a chance, which I love. Every night we line up. It's not like when I played for the hurricanes back there, it was kind of like, we had to play our best to win. Like it, we were good. Cause we worked up, we had to, we had to play our best to beat teams. And now I feel like we, every night we go in, it's like, if we play really well. We're, we're, we're going to be in good shape. One last one for me, uh, uh, Rod is Seth Jarvis. Um, he's one of the young guys that was able to crack a really deep roster. What have you learned about Seth? What impresses you and kind of what's, What's the bar for him? Because man, he was a really skilled player in junior. Yeah. So just, it was amazing, right? He came in, comes to camp really last year, you know, the junior rule where, which I think I don't like that. You have to send the kid back. He can't, whatever. He couldn't go to the minors. He can't better. He can't play junior hockey. Like, you know, like, well, how, what's that going to do for him? I mean, he's, he'd light that up. He'd get worse. So we're like, well, well, let's keep him. you know, let's keep him and see how he does. And, Boom. I mean, he just, you couldn't send him back. 
right? It's just, I mean, you, you can tell the guys it's better than most of the players. What do you, well, okay, well, good. You made the team. So it was actually a bonus that we, cause I'm sure if we had that, we could put him in the minors. We probably would have just done it because he's such a young kid. Um, but he just earned his way on it and then just kept getting better and better. And uh, like you saw in the playoff, I thought he was, he had a good playoffs for us. Like he was noticeable, right? You notice him every shift. And um, again, I think you said, where's the, where's the bar? I think it's, he's a kid that's figuring it out still, like how hard you have to work um, off the ice, you know, the daily routine and, and he's figuring that out. And uh, again, I think he's going to get better and better too. Yeah. I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but I see Seth Jarvis as a young Braden point. So. Uh, well, I hope so. That'd be a good one for yeah. sure. Uh, Rod, just last one for me before we play a little rapid fire. We've talked about the expectations a little bit, you know, where last year's team was, the consistency, and also, as you said, you have a chance to win every night. So I want you to fill in the blank. The 2023 season for the Carolina Hurricanes will be a success if what? Oh, it's easy. You got to win the whole thing. We'll be last team standing. Then we got a successful year. So that's the bar. Love that's it. That's it. It's a pretty high bar. I like it. All right, Rod. Uh, we always end with rapid fire. The only rule is you have to answer the question. All right. Okay. So we'll have, have a little fun. We'll start with uh, this one. Who gave you the nickname Rod the Bod? Pat Croce. Look it up. He used to own the 76ers. Yeah. Pretty good, pretty good dude. Oh, yeah. Nice. So like there's certain nicknames you get, man. And you're just, ah, geez, I'm not. Yeah, I'm 52. Like, like... We gotta lose that one, right? Like, but anyway. Come on. Come on. Are you kidding me? Guys yeah. would want you if I had Rod, like if your nickname's the bod, you want to keep that. Maybe there's pressure. Do you feel pressure to have to maintain no. the bod? No, I certainly okay. don't. Um, but yeah, he he gave me that when I was with the Flyers. He used to be the the, the strength coach of the Philadelphia Flyers, and then he, he this is back obviously the early 90s, then he got this PT thing going, and you know where that's all taken off, made all his money, and then like next thing you know, the guy that was training me is the owner of the 76ers. So it's kind of weird, but uh Anyway, that's where it came from. Oh, that's awesome. So what is, if you had to pick your three favorite workout maneuvers, what would they be? Oh, man. I, I don't, the myth is that people think I like working out. I, I who likes working out? So definitely um, not me. Look at me. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> listen, I don't, I don't like it. I just, it's part of my kind of daily life, but my three favorite, uh, well, I, I listen, I'm a bike rider now, stationary bike, because that's, I can't run anymore. So I guess that'd be favorite core workout. You got to keep your, your back together. Otherwise your toast. And then, you know, you never go wrong with a good push-up routine. So there, there you I like go. It. Okay. Rod, which opposing NHL coach would give you the best run for top condition coach right now? Oh, there's a lot of actually coaching fraternity here. I, I find it's either really good or really bad. If you got guys that are dialed in or guys that are like, they, they need to get on it quickly. Um, I know, I know, uh, God, there's a few guys. I don't want to leave. I don't want to single anyone. I know Dallas Eakins does a lot of training. Um, you know, he does a lot of stuff. So probably him, I would assume. Yeah. He loves the bike, man. Like he's yeah. on the bike. He's, actually, I just saw him tweeting about it. He's in a big uh, charity bike thing. So there yeah, you go. See. He loves the bike. Um, you also mentioned you coach U11, which is uh, very different than the NHL how much enjoyment and what's the benefit that you get from coaching you 11 best question of the day right there I, I love it and I, I mean 
listen, I just had a month because we started a month early here with the kids. So I went to a couple tournaments. It's the most fun that I have coaching because it, listen, there's no pressure. I don't, we don't have to win and I'm not getting scrutinized every, you know, you, you get that part of it, but it's just enjoyable to watch kids play the game for the right reason. They're all playing this because they love hockey, right? There's no, I'm making $8 million or that. No, I'm out there to have fun and I love it. The celebrations after goals. I mean, it's, it makes you feel good about doing what you're doing. And then see them get better over the years, right? Like it's kind of, you, you're helping. So it's kind of my little give back, you know, obviously my kids there, so I, I'm, I gotta be there, but you know, it's, it does feel good. It gives you a little uh, sense of accomplishment, I guess. Yeah. I'm coaching my son in U11 and I've coached okay. him since U7. And I tell you the conversations on the ice and in the room are some of the greatest things on just random thoughts. And when a kid learns to stop both ways, yeah. That to me is one of the greatest feelings because they look right away at you like, Hey, yeah. I, did. I did it. Exactly. And then you feel, you know, whether you had anything to do with it or not, it, it, there's a, it, you feel great. Cause you, you know how proud the kid is, right? He feels good. That makes you feel good. So it actually, it's a, uh, it's a gift. I think to be able to do it. I don't get to do it much once the season starts. Um, I go to practices when I can, but it's uh, I mean, it's a great, it's, it's a lot of fun. Now, I was looking at your resume. When you retired, Rod, then there was a year between retirement and becoming an assistant coach. So that's the only year in 35 years that you were in the NHL. What did you do? Well, I was technically in the NHL because I was doing player development with the young guys. Uh, the best gig I ever had was that year because then I coached my other son, who at the time was 10, 11, and uh, who's now a senior in college playing hockey. So, um like it was great the next year I was assistant coach but I got to just come up to the home games and the home practices and coach my son so it's a gig I should have kept forever uh because it was you know I was still in the game but I was you know doing stuff with my my son so um anyway long story but that's what I was doing so I never really got out of the game I was still in there just didn't have a title so if Rod decided tomorrow next at the end of this year I'm done coaching. I'm done with hockey. What would you do? That's what I would, I do that full time. I just coach my son and, okay. you know, uh, just because it's, it's what I get the most enjoyment out of for sure. You know, right. Like it's just, it's so much fun. Um, when we have a good team too, which is nice. Like we got a, we, we got a pretty stacked group right now. So um, Brent Burns is kid, like I said, on, he's a great player. We got him in the air. So the trade was really good for us. We got a, we got a, <laughs> A great player on the senior team and then we got a good player on the, the junior cane so the win-win you mentioned when you coached that there was so much to learn what was the biggest eye-opener for you when you became a coach that you didn't know as a player oh time commitment you know as a player you you know how much time you put in but you come into practice at 10 or 11 you're there hour and a half before you know you get ready you practice for an hour maybe you get you stick around do your workout you're out of there by one uh, Coast, you don't get there an hour and a half before you're there at six in the morning, seven in the morning. You got to prepare your practice. You got to prepare da 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 da. You got to look at film. You got to run the practice. You got to make sure that's dialed in, and then you got to prepare for the next day. You know, like it's it becomes it's it's the time commitment is what probably caught me off guard the most. Um, I think all the ex players all want to be coaches until they realize you know how much time it goes into it because they think they already put a lot of time and it's twice the amount of time. So I think that's the biggest thing that was kind of eye opening for me. And lastly, the surge fans love it. Have you ever given input on a surge? And if not, is there one you'd like to see? 
Well, it's, yeah, we got to figure that out for this year. I, I mean, I stay out of it. That's the guy's things. I mean, I, I initially, when we did it, I, I had a good conversation with Justin Williams about it because I played in Switzerland during the lockout for a month back in whatever year that was, 2004, five, whatever. Yeah. And they did this stuff after the game with the fans that I was, I'd never seen and thought it was the best thing ever. So I, I mentioned it to Willie one, and one day and we're like, we got to do something here, spice it up. And then it, it took off from there. He took it with the players and then they, you know, we had a great, I thought it was unbelievable. It's kind of waned a little just with COVID, right. That kind of took all the steam out of it. And then now we're back. I don't know what the guys are going to do. Um, but yeah, I, I like it just because the fans love it. The fans yeah. absolutely are love it. And we got to, I got to get Jordan on board here again to kind of up the ante this year and see if we can, you know, somehow make it more interesting because uh, it was a lot of fun when, you know, that whole thing started. Oh, That's so the theme might, of the season, raising yeah. the bar. Yeah. yeah. We, right. we might well, see a Rod Brindamore involved in the surge. That might yeah, raise the bar for That's one. the guy's stuff. I got to stay out of that. There's a line I can't though. cross. Can't cross that line. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Rod, we really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Uh, best sure. of luck this season. And uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be hoping to see the uh, Carolina Hurricanes uh, in the final as you're close to your goal. Best of luck. All right. I appreciate it, guys. Take care. Rod Brindamore. Man, you just listen to Rod. And it's, I understand why players just love playing for that guy. Like, he, he's very positive. It's just, it's natural demeanor and how he talks. Like, you get fired up. And and how cool is it for, for those kids to have uh, Coach Brindamore and Brent Burns helping out uh, early in the year? Justin Williams, what a team. It's got to yeah. be, like, the best, some of the best youth hockey players in the U.S., that collection of guys there. Uh, wow. Uh, Rod Brindamore, you you were so excited to ask that question about his his favorite well, buddy, Workouts. I like the push-up routine, man. It's something you know what I like about it? it's because that's something anybody can do at home with no weights. And that was such a Jason Greger question. Hey, buddy, I think people want to know. Yeah. yeah, Emily Kaplan wrote a great story a couple years back. She actually went and like she didn't watch him work out, but she did a whole thing about like how in shape he is and how like he's probably in better shape than some of the players. Oh, wow! I like what he said though. He doesn't love working out, but he does it because it's it's now he's just used to it. And just for the record, I hate working out. Yeah, wow. Well. Yeah. Frank, that's day one. Congrats. Uh, I'll be announcing every day whether you're uh, riding or not, so get on it. Now, yeah. uh, the hurric- what's interesting about the Hurricanes, Frank, is look at all the changes. Now, I know Pacioretty's hurt, but DeHaan, Burns, Coughlin, Kasha, Stashny, and then out is Kuch- uh, uh, Trocek, not Kachuk, Trocek, Niederreiter, uh, D'Angelo, Cole, Smith, Lorenz, like... You know, this was a team that was really good, but that's still six, you know, six players off of your 20-man roster. That's a 30%. That's significant change. This team just makes changes. They don't care. Like, I love it. They Remember the year prior, they changed out both of their goalies? We yeah. were like, how's that going to work out? Their goalies were some of the best in the league, that tandem. Yeah, well, Carolina's good team defense, man. You talk to so many opposing coaches, and they're like, gosh, Every line is consistent in how they play. So they buy in and, uh, you know, Carolina is a team. It's just it's smart hard. management. That's yeah. what I find is like, they, they're willing to take chances. They, they question everything and they're like, we can't do this. Why? Like yeah. they, they just go out and do it. They make things happen. I'll just say the team that needs Patrick Kane the most is the Carolina hurricanes. 
It's the one thing they, like, maybe Sebastian Ajo becomes that game breaker. They don't have one yet. And I think that's the only thing they lack. If they could get a real. I wanted to ask Rod about that if he buys into that idea. Yeah. So. And I, I just, I, I, I kind of fumbled a little bit on the Freddie Anderson question. I probably could have worded that a little bit better. But I think that was, I, I believe that was a significant issue for that team when it came to the playoffs. And. I, I think that's the other takeaway is like, I wondered about their difference maker. Do they have yeah. one? That's hard. Like Sebastian, Oz is still not that old. So you never know. He could, uh, he can take a, ne- a next step. He's a really good player, but can you become like a hundred point guy, big time difference maker? I think it helps. It's not necessary. Obviously St. Louis uh, has won the cup recently, but you know, you look at all the other cup winning teams, man, you have Crosby and you have Ovechkin and you have Kucherov and point and Hedman and, uh, you know, McKinnon and McCarr. So you, it helps for the most part, having those type of, uh, you know, Drew Doughty go back to Kane, et cetera. Like it, it helps, man, having those type of guys. That's now, interesting you that know, you mentioned St. Louis because I was thinking and I was like, what, what is their, what is Carolina's path to winning the cup? Because I'm, I'm going through my preseason predictions right now. They're one of like three teams that I have as a potential cup winner. Oh, Carolina's good, man. There's, they're really good. I just wonder, do they have that guy that can take over a period at the right time in, in a tight game and just separate? That's that's the challenge, right? Like, can Jacob Slavin be their Alex Petrangelo? I don't see why not. He might already be better than He might be better than him, period. Yeah, maybe. But look at the Blues. That's when they had the Towers of Power and Pareko and Bowmeister and Petrangelo. Like, they're a huge bunch of cranes. I think there. you're underrating. The, maybe they might not be big, but I think Carolina is D's better than St. Louis. You think they're better when they had the Blues Cup winning defense? Mm-hmm. Oof. And I like Brent Burns a lot. Brent, hey, I'll say this. Brent Burns is going to add a huge dimension to that team. Slavin is... Oh, is Slavin's he, great. Slavin's a top 10 defenseman in the NHL. Uh, oh, I've always liked him, but... Like the Blues had three of the top, at the time, top 15, top 20 guys for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't agree with that. But okay. Uh, what about let's the Rangers? Because the, the Rangers, Rangers, it's interesting. The Rangers, a lot of people are predicting, I've seen it. It's been a popular thing, a little bit of a drop-off. Yeah, I'm going the other way. Um they now they didn't make huge changes, right? Strom is out, uh, Trocheck comes in, and then it's like uh, you know Carpenter. I know Cop was there briefly, but and he's not back. But he wasn't there for the majority of the regular season, so they didn't make a ton of offseason changes. But to me, they're young guys. Lafreniere, uh, you look at Capo Caco, uh, Cheadle, those three. I just think their internal growth comes from there. Shesterkin is unbelievable uh, in goal. So uh, to me, it's it's hard pressed to think the Rangers, you know, take any sort of significant step back. They might be two or three points less, but I don't see them having a big drop. No, nope. um, I would agree, and I, I think their D. When you look at it top to bottom, it's definitely in the top five in the NHL, but it it has the chance to inch a little bit higher. When top like top to bottom, when you look at Braden Schneider. And K. Andre Miller and Zach Jones, all those guys have taken huge steps. Truba, Fox, I mean, Lindgren's fine. Oh, um, I like him a lot. And apparently Hayek has had a really good camp. Uh, Gerard Gallant was singing his praises the other day. So the one big question I have about their offseason, and, and perhaps, I don't know, you know, we can debate this for a long time. 
but should they have just kept Strom? Like, I, I know that they're going after a stylistic fit with Trocek, and, and Gallant would clearly know him pretty well. But when you look at Trocek, 7 times 5, 6, 2, 5, against Strom, 5 times 5, like, I, I would have just kept the player that you know already has chemistry with your guys and has put up some big numbers. Frank, man, we're drinking from the same cup this morning. I totally agree oh, with you. That that's was, scary. It, it was an interesting kind of maneuver one guy out one guy in and the guy that went out is a is a little younger and 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 to me it's the term right like the the two players is trocek that much better than ryan strom like i don't i don't i don't know man and you're right about i could have now. seen them reaching for cadry like i would say okay that makes sense sure but when you go trocek and you give him 39.4 million bucks was he really worth the extra fourteen point four million bucks? I, I sorry, I just don't see it. I don't. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah, that's a fair, valid argument. But I mean, Strom's numbers, like people, like he had three straight fifty point seasons. Uh, now I think they're going to wonder and say how much of that was because of Panarin. Well, good players got to play with good players, right? You got to be able to read and react with those players, right? And so you know, I, I thought Ryan Strom was. Ryan Strom was, was a real, like, I don't think Trocek's a significantly more of a driver in any sense than Strom. No, I don't either. I, I personally think Vincent Trocek is, he, I think the age curve is going to hit him hard. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll see where that goes. Now we go to the Pittsburgh Penguin. Now you have the Rangers as a playoff team. I'm assuming. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So now we get to uh, Pittsburgh. Interesting offseason for the Penguins, man. So Matheson and Marino, Rodriguez, uh, Aston Reese, uh, and uh, Boyle are out. You bring Petrie, Smith, and Ruda in on the back end. And, uh, you know, Josh Archibald uh, comes over. He's a physical, like a fourth-line guy, penalty killer. But I just look at the makeup of their blue line. They were, inc- they were one of the three teams that had the oddity last year of having six defensemen all play over 70 games. They were ultra healthy on the back end. I think Jan Ruda is just a sneaky, silent, excellent signing for a guy who plays in your third pair. If you ask to moonlight in your top four, no problem. All right. I'm, I'm curious about Jeff Petrie. Is this a big bounce back here for Petrie? I know there was a lot of stuff COVID related going on family and everything like that. I'm curious about Petrie because I think he's a better defender than Marino. I, I just think he's a better all around player. Um, obviously there's the huge age difference, which is part of it. Jeff Petrie had four straight 40 point seasons and last year fell off a cliff. And some people would say, Oh, well that's just age catching up to him. He's 34 and it's bound to happen. Well, I I personally just, I don't think he woke up and forgot how to play hockey. I think he had a, a, obviously had a lot of personal things going on with the COVID year. His family didn't come back and live with him in Montreal. They stayed in the U S uh, with the restrictions that were in place. And it was like, that's a huge impact on a guy. I'm sorry. And when you go through that, to think that you can play at your best, I just don't think it's possible, especially when you ask for a trade and want it out and they weren't able to accommodate you. Um, I think it's a huge win for Pittsburgh to get Petrie back there. And I, I like the reshaping of this group. You've got Smith who can help you on the power play as well. Uh, so you've got two guys, Latang on the first unit and Smith on the second. And I, I just have concerns, major concerns about the Pens long-term. 
And I think everyone does. I, I still can't wrap my brain around some of the decisions that they made with the term that they handed out in to a Chris Letang. Six years. Um, you know, Evgeny Malkin getting four, and then you know, these other guys, Rust and Raquel, both a little bit younger, but they got term as well. And you sit here and you go, man, it's gonna be so ugly for this team later. My concern is actually not so much then because that's going to be someone else's problem to handle more often than not for the, the management. It's this team hasn't won with those guys. What makes you, you know, in the last couple of years, you know, we're talking last three, four years, they haven't been successful with those guys. What makes you think that as, you know, we enter another year where they're one year older, that they're suddenly going to, you know, launch back into contender mode again. Yeah, well, Malkin, when he's healthy, he's still really good. But, you know, he's is he going to start missing even more games? Chris Letang, to me, is the the big wild card, man. He had he might have had his best season of his career last year. He was so good for the Penguins. And some guys, Frank, now age is just a number, right? And, and he's a guy who's always been a pretty good fitness freak, and he's in great shape, and he's a smart player. He's such a smooth skater. Um, he's a guy, I think, you know, you said Trocheck, you think age is poorly. I think Latang's a guy that's going to age like a wine. I think he'll, he'll be fine, uh, for a few years now, six years, obviously he's a little bit at risk, no question, but I think the next three or four years, Latang, and I don't really see much of a, of a drop off there. Um, I, I'm like the Penguins. We talked about their defense. Like they've had some bad injuries, like it, like in playoffs and the, the one year, the goaltending wasn't what they'd like. So I think they're close. And this allows them to stay close for a few years. Because how close are they? Uh, you know what? You get a bounce or two. You, they still have Crosby can still win a series. Right? It's, it's, take- it's bananas that they didn't beat the Rangers last year. Yes. Well, the injury though. Let's be honest. If Sid doesn't get hurt, they win that series. Uh, okay, fine. So they lost in the first round last year. They lost in the first round in 2021 to the Islanders. They lost in the qualifying round to the the Canadians in the bubble, a huge upset. That was five yeah. twelve. So that's, and then they lost in the first round. They were swept by the Islanders in 19. The last time they won a round was 2018. We're entering the 2023 playoffs. It's fine if you want to stay close. And I guess that keeps your fan base engaged. They buy tickets and maybe that's really important in that marketplace, but I have a hard time putting the penguins in the contender category. I really do. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I see them as a playoff team. Um, and then they could be a playoff team that gets hot because of their experience. But I still see them as a playoff team. And let's say you would have let Chris Letang walk. The problem was there was very few options to replace him with in free. Well, the, Letang was a non-starter. He was the one guy that was like, they were like, it doesn't matter. We're getting Letang done. Okay. Then it was, that's why Evgeny Malkin did his thing where he said, oh, I'm going to go to market. And then Crosby flew down to Florida. And it was a whole thing. But Malkin felt like he was being disrespected by the process and the way that it played out, saying, I'm a hard trophy winner, blah, blah, blah. Like, why wasn't I dealt with the same? Why wasn't I given the same respect and priority as as Latang? And the answer is because you're way more replaceable than Latang. Yeah. And you're injury prone, unfortunately, for him, right? Like, that's, I think that's the biggest one. So, do you have the pens in or out? I have the pens in. I, I also think they have a soft middle of their team. Like their top end players are great. Jason Zucker, huge question mark uh, about his health. He's apparently looked pretty good in camp so far. Um, he's missed a ton of time over the last two seasons. Um, Kasperi Kapanen, not entirely sure what he is or what he does at this point. 
Jeff Carter has a concussion currently. He's 37. Ricard Raquel, they signed him to a massive deal. He was knocked out cold in the playoffs and has missed a ton of time pretty much his entire career. Yeah, that signing, I was stunned by that, that he got five years. Me too. So, like, you look at the middle of, they've got top-end players that are excellent. I think their fourth line is going to be good. Their middle six, I have questions. Like, what? Like who's in the lineup any given night, and what are they giving you? Okay, fair. So, you have them uh, as a battling for third slash wild card in their division. Correct. But, I, yeah, I have them as a wild card team. So yeah. the other team, and then we're going to get to a buyer sell, uh, uh, fill in the blank with Tyler, and then we're going to finish with the four teams who missed the playoffs last year. Can any of them get in? The Washington Capitals, Frank, you alluded to Carolina last year, changing out both their goalies. The uh, Capitals did the exact same thing. Carpen, uh, Darcy Kemper comes in. Uh, also, Charlie Lindgren, and you talk to Mike McKinnon, you talk to lots of other goalie guys, man. They're really high on him. Uh, they think he's a guy that, that could play more and play quite well for you. Uh, they went out, uh, Dylan Strome from Chicago. They brought in Curtis Brown. Uh, Gustafson on the back end. Schultz, uh, Haglin, uh, Sprong, Samsonoff, they're all gone. Vanasek. But the other one, of course, is the injury to Nick Backstrom. Right, that's obviously a, a big blow to start the season for them. You know, Tom Wilson's banged up, but he should be fine. Um, you know, earlier in the year, but Backstrom's out a little bit longer. So, where do you see the Capitals, and and what do you make of the uh, the duo goaltending change? I don't mind the duo goaltending change. I felt like they needed it. You could tell in the way Peter Laviolette was handling it that he was tired of both guys and didn't really trust them. So, I think that was necessary. It's the two-for-one Ben Hankinson special from Octagon Hockey. He represents both Kemper and Lindgren, so kind of interesting to see that uh, that tandem come together. Um, and when you look at we, – we had this debate between the Caps and Pens a couple weeks ago on the pod. Would you rather, for the next five years, have the Caps core or the Penguins core? And I took the Caps, so – I think the caps are a lot better than some people are, are looking at with this group. Like Tom Wilson's also coming back from his significant injury, a huge part of their team. I, I just, I just think there's more there on the, on the whole with that group. My, my one concern in Washington is did they, you know, their blue line core, obviously Orloff and Carlson are good, but you know, after that, you know, Jensen, Van Riemsdyk, Eric Gustafson is, you know, he can move the puck and, and help your power play. He's not, not a great defender. So I, I'm curious about their defense. I think Darcy Camper and Charlie Linger are going to have to be quite good at, at times for the Capitals this season. But I think the Caps, if they want to make any sort of significant run come playoff time, are going to have to make some additions to their back end. I, I think they're in the same category though. Like, they're probably a playoff team, but I have a hard time putting them in the contender group. Does Ovi score 50? No. 45? Yeah, I think he's like 46. Okay. All right. So you have Caps as a – they're a potential team maybe. Could, uh, could be out. We'll see. Uh, let's bring in Tyler Ramchuk for uh, fill in the blank. Then we will uh, finish off with the Islanders, Columbus, the Devils, and the Flyers. Yes, let's get into a new edition of fill in the blank. As always, delivered by our friends at DoorDash, where we have a new promo code. Game Day 25 is what's going to get you 20% off and no delivery fees on your first order. So shout out to our friends over at DoorDash. Let's jump into it. It's a Metro Division edition. Metro Division edition of fill in the blank. I'm going to start uh, by looking back at the offseason and simply ask you guys, blank had the best offseason in the division. Frank? 
Probably Carolina, but I'm thinking about Columbus. Yeah, hard to argue against picking up Johnny Goudreau. Jason? Oh, I think it's Brand Burns' edition in Carolina all day, man. I I think Burns is – even Calvin DeHaan, what they signed him for, 850? Like, man, I, I think that helps their, their back end. And, and we won't see it, guys, until the second half, but Max Pacioretty – I was going to say that would have put them way over the top. Yeah, it's going to that's going to fit in well for them. So yeah. it's funny. The team that finished first in the division made some significant changes and I actually think they're better. Fair enough. Uh last year the division had 6 of the 8 teams hit the 80 point mark. Blank will do it this year. Jason <laughs> Yeah, I see 6. I don't like Philly definitely ain't making it. Um <laughs> and I'm not I'm still, I got some questions about the Devils a little bit. So, I, I think it's going to be six again. I don't think there's going to be as much of a gap between four and five like there was last year, right? So, I, yeah. I think the point will be spread out a little bit more amongst the top six, but I still see six 80-point teams. I know it sounds funny. It's not that hard to get to 80 points. Basically, yeah, I know. You should get seven it teams. shouldn't You're be. Right. Yeah. I think seven teams could get there. I, I actually kind of like the Devils. I don't mind the Devils either. A full season of Jack Hughes again. He took some big steps forward before he got hurt. Uh, so then we'll we'll take it up a notch for this next question. Last year, the division had four 100-point teams. They'll have blank 100-point teams this season, Frank. I'm going to say two. Ooh, I think, I'm assuming both Pitt and Wash are falling off, in your opinion? Yeah, I just think they're going to be mid to high 90s. Fair enough. But, but again, the points are so... like. Yeah. Look how inflated the point totals were around the whole league. Like part of that's because the bottom of divisions were bad, but part of it is just way easier to compile points. Yeah. Like I, I love how teams continually, uh, you know, you see, you hear them tout at the end of the year. Oh, it's, you know, we set a new record in points. Well, it's like the way it's set up right now, it's easier than ever to get points. Both Pittsburgh and Washington had double digit OT losses last season. That's 10, 11 points or 11 or that's 12 points in their case. Bananas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to say three. Uh, you look at, at last year, there was um, four in each of the uh, Eastern uh, divisions and three in the Central, two in the Pacific, but the third-place team had 99 points. So I, I think three is almost pretty much a run-of-the-mill now, so I'll say three. I have a couple over-unders to get to, but I also I was chewing on this one last night, and I couldn't decide who my answer was. I, the numbers are actually pretty close. I think we could all agree Igor Shesterkin is the best goalie in the Metropolitan Division. The second best goaltender in the Metropolitan Division is blank. Jason? This isn't even close. Who is it? Oh. Ilya Sorokin. Yes, in New York, 100%. Ilya Sorokin is, I have 17 franchise players coming out in my archetype rankings, and Sorokin he is one of the 17. Yeah. That Sorry is. to answer it for you, Jason. No, no. Sorokin that was obnoxious. is definitely good. I, 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 you know, him, Vasilevsky, and Shesterkin, man, that's... Uh, it's going to be a great race for the uh, Vesna this season. Like, can anybody else get in the hunt? I'll say this, though. I would put Darcy Kemper third. I know everybody remembers Darcy Kemper in the playoffs. Look at Darcy Kemper's career numbers. Look at him in the in the regular season last year. He had, he had a concussion, and then he had actual vision problems. <laughs> like, to me, that's something you can't overlook to his playoff numbers. So, I think Darcy Kemper would be three for me. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I agree. Um, what a treat it is for fans in the New York area. Ilya and Igor, you know, right across from each other and going head to head a number of times this year. Like it kind of reminds you of the Marty Brodor, Henrik Lundqvist era. Um, 
you know, think back to like how well situated all three teams in the New York Metro area have been in goal really almost my entire lifetime. Now, I, I, I think like Edmonton and Calgary and Pitt and Philly, don't the Islanders and Rangers only play three times this year because of the sked? Like, could, could we start a petition? You should play division teams four times, everybody, every year. And if it's got to be the odd number, then you make it the other team in your conference. Like, this is ridiculous that yeah. uh, you're having big rivalries play each other three times. Like, grab a clue. I can't feign outrage at this. I, I don't know. It doesn't yeah, I just think it's dumb. Like, yeah. what are we doing? Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get into uh, two over-unders in this division that have really caught my attention, both for kind of different reasons. One, because it's interesting. One, I think it's set really wrong, but it's from our friends at Points Bet Canada. I want to start at the bottom with the Philadelphia Flyers. Last season, the Flyers ended with, I think, 61 points. Their over-under this year is set at 72 and a half. Frank, you, you taking the over on that at all? 72 and a half would require them to be 12 points better than they were last year. Six more wins. No, I'm taking the under. Okay. Well, six teams in the NHL had less than uh, or fewer than 72 points last year. I believe the Philadelphia Flyers will be one of the six that has it this season. So, yes, I would uh, take the under as well. The, uh, you know, the injury to Ellis again. That's brutal. Uh, Couturier, now it sounds like Couturier, you know, he's going to avoid surgery and it's not going to be that long, but eek, that's not a great way to start. So It doesn't necessarily mean that once he's upright, he'll stay upright. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And uh, the other one that caught my attention because, I mean, I, I we just said we believe in the Devils, Frank. I don't know if I believe in them this much. Their over-under is set at 91 and a half. Do you believe that much in the New Jersey Devils? No, that's a 28-point gain and I don't see it. Yeah, Jay. Wow. But I definitely think they're going to be better, and I definitely think they're north of 80. Yeah, I think they'll be like mid 80s. 91 and a half seems really high. And you, and you guys know I'm, I am I will almost puke in my mouth if I have to take an under, <laughs> but I would take that under. And uh, I, don't like be, betting, I don't like betting the unders, but I would take that one. No oh. offense to Devils fans. I think they'll improve, like Frank said, for sure. But improving 28 points in one season is really hard. It's it happens hard. like once every five years. You see yeah, a team yeah. have a, a 30 point gain. Yeah. So, and, and usually it's a team that had some, some, some significant injuries, right? Like I remember the flyers that one year, they crushed down to like 56 points, got the second pick and then boom, they were right back up. They also signed Hartnell and Tim Timon in that. Season. Yeah. That was 2008. Yeah. So, and they went to the conference final, which is, that was wacky. Mm -hmm. I'll be going through some of my favorite season-long bets on the Daily Faceoff show, which starts again today, October 3rd at noon Eastern. But a little teaser on one in the Metro, getting the New York Islanders at plus 100 to miss the playoffs. I am all over that as well. Plus 100 just feels like a great price for them to miss again. Um, all right, that's going to do it for another edition of Buy or Sell, delivered by our friends at DoorDash. That's a great segue because yeah, we're now I was say, on perfect. to the, uh, the It's New almost York like you've done he this. He just before. set that one up. Out of boy, Ty. Perfect. He knows what's coming. There's a, the, you know, the producer of the pod knows how to set us up easily. The uh, New York Islanders had 37 wins. They had 84 points in 82 games. I know they had a quirky schedule because of COVID. I understand all of that. Frank, it's amazing to me. The only change for the Islanders really is Chara's out and Romanoff's in. Right now they got Chaluski maybe as their seventh defenseman, but that's it. They've got the exact same forward group. No, that's not back. it. Well, their head coach, of course. They I changed say it on the coach, ice. Yeah. But so, do you think Lambert 
is going to make that much of a difference that it was all Barry Trotz was the reason the Islanders struggled? I don't think Barry Trotz had anything to do with the Islanders struggling. I still don't know why they made a coaching change. And not to say Lane Lambert can't do it or can't be good. I, I don't think that at all. He's been around for a long, long time and by all accounts is an unreal guy to play for. I, I just, I, I don't see it with this Islander core and they're the oldest team in the league by a pretty wide margin. Yeah. Like the one thing they have going for them, Frank, they don't give up goals. You're like Elias Oroken is legit. That was under last. Barry Trotz. That's a Barry Trotz thing though. That's been yeah. his staple on every team. I don't know that we can count on that again, other than knowing that the goaltending is going to be good. Yeah. Well, but to me, they didn't make any new offensive upgrades. So I'm, I'm wondering where they think their offense, like is, is Lane Lambert suddenly going to instill a system that allows the flyer, uh, sorry, the Islanders to go from 23rd in offense to even in the, you know, in the top 14. Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't see it. Okay. Everyone's saying, Oh, Islanders are going to bounce back. You know, schedule quirks aside, COVID aside, the one team that was really crushed by COVID and having to make difficult lineup decisions, um, you know, while everyone else at some point got their games postponed. I, I, I didn't, I liked how hard they played toward the end of the year. Like they really piled up some points in the second half. But when you go out and, and extrapolate the numbers, like they still were not a playoff team, even at the rate that they played at. Yeah, well, hey, I look at the honor. I think they improve on their 84 points. I think they're I think they're a 90 point team, you know, uh 92-3, but is it enough to get to the postseason? That they're they're they I have them right on the cusp. I'm just not sure. I don't you mentioned their age. Um, you know, maybe Matt Barzell can be can become the 85 point guy he was as a rookie. But we haven't seen that offensive production from him since. And that you're you're gonna need somebody like I get offenses up in the NHL, Frank. Like, you know, a few years ago, you could win by having 20th ranked offense with being the top five defensive team. I don't think you can do that anymore. Every offense went up. And even the best offensive teams in the second half of the season, which is rare, actually improved their scoring. So to me, that's the big question. I just don't see the Islanders having the offensive punch to match to get to the postseason. I agree. I'm not seeing it. And I, the scary part for the Islanders is they're locked into all these guys. Oh yeah. Barzell is the, is really the only player of any sort of consequence whose deal is up after this next season. Everyone else is locked up for at least two more from Matt Martin, all the way to Brock Nelson and Anders Lee, Josh Bailey, Pajot, Palmieri, Beauvillier, Sezikis. They're all locked up. Yeah. And some of them are locked up three, four, five years. And the one guy who isn't, who I think is a really underrated solid D-man, is Scott Mayfield, and he's going to be getting a big raise on his next Yeah, year. yes, he is. He's going to be expensive. And I do really like the Alexander Romanov signing, or uh, trade, by trade. the way. I think, that was, I think that was pretty smooth. Oh, yeah. No, I don't mind that deal at all, for sure. Uh, what was it, 13th pick uh, to get him? And you know what, that pick might help you. It might become a player. We don't know. I think Romanoff can, can, can improve. At 22, he's young enough you could make the oh. argument that that's exactly the type of player, known commodity, you'd like to have now instead. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. So uh, neither one of us have the Islanders in. Now we go to Columbus, who 
obviously the Johnny Gaudreau trade was huge. Then they had to uh, to move Fighting. Borkstrand uh, to uh, to Seattle to make the money work. They got Patrick Laine uh, on a new contract. Uh, Kent Johnson is likely going to come in and uh, make that team. I think they overpaid on Gabranson um, for for four mil for four years, but I, I think they really want. You know, his tenaciousness, his physicality, they felt like they got pushed around way too often last year. But is it enough? You add in Johnny Gaudreau, right, and uh, and Patrick Laine, and, man, just on paper, you would think that that could be a pretty good partnership. Can they go from 81 to probably, I think, you need 96 to get in? Do they have a 15-point improvement in them? I don't think so. But I think they're going to be damn hard to play against. And I think two years from now, when you see Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger, all these guys take another step forward, I think they're a playoff team two years from now. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think they take that next step and get close, and then the uh, the following year it, it kind of kicks in. It's hard for for any young guy to come in and, and be that good. Cole Sillinger was pretty solid, though. You know, I, I like their young guys coming. I like the offensive flair they have coming. You know, I do think, though, that, like, Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine some nights, man. Whew, Gaudreau's a pretty good disher, and we all know Patrick can shoot the puck. So I'm uh, I'm intrigued to see that, maybe more on the power play. So what's Johnny Gaudreau's point total? It was 115 last year. What does he oh, get it'll to? go down. Like, like they, you got to remember, Frank, that line in Calgary, like three guys all have 40 goals. Like everything went well for Kachuk and Lindholm and Gaudreau as a trio last year. I think Johnny Gaudreau ends up between 90 to 95 points. Yeah. Columbus needs centers. Yes. They are the helicopter team. All wings, uh, all wings, no centers. Yeah. And that, um, Hey, like Elias, helicopter team, Elias Lindholm, I think pretty underrated. He's a solid, solid player in in the middle. And uh, now Kachuk, obviously he's probably going to get to play Barkov. So he won't have as much of a drop off, but Gaudreau, there's no center in Columbus. It's like Elias Lindholm. No, they're trying to build it, build it up. Yes. Yeah, and I agree with your assessment. I think in the future they're coming, but uh, not right now. Now, the New Jersey Devils, they, there's some significant change there, right? Uh, you got Marino on the back end and, and Smith, you know, Vanisex in goal, uh, Palat up front, Halla. I would even say that Woods in addition, he only played three games last year due to injury for New Jersey. So, you know, I got a, quite a few guys in. Zaka and Subban and White and, and, and VC are all out um, what do you make of the Devils? I think they're improving. Uh, I still think they have too many smaller forwards when push comes to shove to crack Literally. the playoff spot. Um, yeah, I, I just think there's a lot of talent here. Like, Jesper Bratt had a season that just didn't get talked about enough. 73 points in 76 games. Like, he's an unbelievable player. And you look at what what Hughes was able to accomplish, uh, injuries notwithstanding, to be north of a point per game, you know he's living up to that contract, which now kicks into the first year, or, or should be pretty close to it this year. Nico Heischer, really good player. Like these are solid, solid players to build around. They just they need help, they need support, they need depth, and they also need a calling card. Like, that's the one thing about the Devils. Like, what are they? They need an identity. And I don't know that they have one. And I really don't know that I trust their goaltending. Yeah. Like, I, I wonder how much Palat, who's just a really good pro, 
um, you know, w- will help them. You know, their young guys learn. I think they're, you know, some of their defensive parts of their game is going to have to improve as, as top six guys. Because now in the NHL, Frank, usually your top six is playing against the other team's top six. So um, you can't just be, you have to at least have a decent acumen defensively. And, and that's just part of it, of getting experience. I think it's more of an age thing than anything else, right? There's very few young offensive players who come in the league and are very good offensively and defensively early in their career. But, um, you know, would Dawson you have given was, Palat five years? No, but I'm, he's a really good player and he was awesome in the playoffs. Yeah. But I think Tampa is so good at evaluating where players are and where they're heading. And they made tough decisions on Palat and McDonough and I just feel like they don't make mistakes. Like they don't let guys walk that shouldn't. No. Um, I, well, I think I think they would have liked to sign Palat, but they weren't giving him six million dollars. No, they they made choices elsewhere on their roster to to spend that money. They could have done. They could have made it all work if they really wanted to. Nah. Well, don't they have like eight guys locked up, massive long term? Like they 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 pick their core. Yep. And they're just gonna build around that, right? Kucherov and point and, and they're going to enjoy Ross Colton for one more season at 1.1 million bucks as he goes out and probably scores 50 points. Like that's the type of value. And then they, from the most part, they let guys walk that, that aren't going to be there part of that core long-term. Yeah. Well, I think that's a the guy they'd like to keep for sure. So I think they look at him as kind of a younger Palat, to be honest. Maybe. Yeah. So the devils 60, like they got to improve by 30 plus points. I just, I, I think it's too much to ask. And the uh, the Flyers, Frank, um, obviously Tortorella's in, um, you know, well, ended up with Yo Vino. They've had both of those coaches last year. Um, you know, Giroux and Lindblom are gone. Yandel retired. Uh, Martin Jones and Nett. They got uh, Phil, uh, Phil, uh, Felix uh, Sandstrom's now their backup. A young guy played, I think, four or five games last year. Tony D'Angelo's their big player offseason addition. Then Delorier and, and, and Owen Tippett. Like the Flyers... I, I, I just don't see it. I, my, my question is, like, where do you see the Flyers? Are they dead last in the, uh, in the Eastern Conference? Are they dead last in their division? Where do you see them? Well, I think they're dead last in their division. I think they're probably second to last in the conference ahead of Montreal. Um, the other injury that hasn't been talked about as much as Carter Hart as well. He has not played in the preseason. And I think there's been some, you know, growing smoke about his potential involvement in the Hockey Canada investigation that's ongoing. So um, he did mention at the start of camp that he participated in the investigation and couldn't comment further. I'd be curious to see where that goes. Um, what's you know the Flyers are going to be harder to play against because of John Tortorella, but what what else are they getting? Where's their talent up front? That's the yeah. big question. Like, what are you getting from Owen Tippett and Bobby Brink and Noah Cates and, and this group of Morgan Frost, this group of guys that have a lot to prove? Yeah. You, can, you, can, you, can you squeeze a lot out of those guys? Well, they're going to have to, right? Um, I, think, I think they're going to want, you know, Joel Farabee to – uh, I think I like Farabee as a young player for sure, right? Like Travis Konechny, I kind of think he is what he is. You know, Cam Atkinson, uh, you know, JVR is obviously, you know. On, on JVR the is going to be a good trade deadline acquisition for someone. I was just going to say, I think there's a veteran player, Frank, that on a on a good competitive team, he can help you. Like Say what you want. He still scored 24 goals last year. Yes, 
100%. He's still probably going to score if he's healthy 27 this year, whatever. So somewhere in that range. Yeah. And he's going to earn himself another contract somewhere else where he just, he takes care of himself. He's a pro. He shows up like, and he scores goals. He just does. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, I do. I'll say this though. I, I think the flyers. Now, if Carter Hart's not, um, not ready to start the season, Frank is banged up. Well, that's, I don't know what they're doing in goal. Like maybe they're going to scour the waiver wire to get a veteran to go with. I think fans. Felix Sandstrom has also been hurt as well. Yeah. So if you have goaltending issues to start the year, you got real concerns. Um, I do think the Flyers actually finish with more than 61 points. I, I don't know if it gets to 70, but I think they actually beat last year's point total. Okay. So, so, so you're setting the bar really high. Is what you're saying. <laughs> ultimately, how many teams from the Metro are playoff teams? I'm going to say four. four. So it's four and four. I'm going to no say four. it's the same four from last year. Same four, and there'll be no uh, no crossover from the uh, Atlantic division. Awesome. So we have uh, we went, went central, now we've gone east, and we will finish with the Pacific on Friday. And by the way, Frank, good luck on the Peloton this week. And also, regular season hockey begins Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, 12 Mountain, 1 Central, as the Nashville Predators and the San Jose Sharks will kick off the 2022-23 season. So, yes, we will have NHL regular season hockey this week. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. 
For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.